The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Um, good morning, Refuge Church. My name is Jacob Wishoff, and I'm an elder here at The Refuge Church. And I'm very excited to celebrate with you this morning King Jesus And I want you to know, so that we are absolutely clear, that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've experienced up till this moment, Jesus loves you very much. And he brought you here this morning to be among his people and to be a part of his people. And that's a very special place. I am thankful for the opportunity to get to speak with you this morning. And I pray that when we walk away today that we'll have a better understanding of what um, we're choosing in our lives and what our lives are saying about the choice that we've made. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you so much that you are the one true God and that we have this opportunity to serve you together and celebrate you. Help us to celebrate you with no reserve. Help us to celebrate you with singing and dancing and cheering and clapping and excitement, God, because you are alive and you have given us so much to be thankful for. The honesty is that you have provided all of it. And we can't take credit for that. And so we're asking that you remind us of that and in our hearts we can choose you with the right frame of mind. In your name, amen. Have you ever woke up in the morning and felt like nothing could go your way? That no matter what you did, nothing seemed right, or it just didn't feel good? Like you couldn't find your car keys? I lose my car keys probably 85 times in a month. (laughs) You can't find that favorite item of, or whatever it is that makes you feel cool, that you feel a little bit more comfortable around your peers, Or how about the fact that sometimes you'll forget your breakfast in the morning or your car won't start or whatever the reason, you're just, this morning is just so frustrating. And so you're starting to get loud and angry and upset. Well, that's the kind of field day the enemy was trying to have with me this week, just this week. It was Monday. And all of a sudden I started getting all these thoughts that flooded in like everything that I said I was and who I said I was, I wasn't living up to. And no matter how good I was, it just wasn't good enough. And then all of a sudden I started thinking, man, I'm just a lousy father and I'm a lousy parent and I'm a lousy husband and a lousy employee. And it just, man, it just wanted to wreak havoc with me. And so kind of in my New York fashion, I started, you know, getting that, you know, macho, tough guy feel. And I start doing like this scene from like the boxing movie Raging Bull. If any of you guys seen that? I'm a real Robert De Niro guy. Like, <laughs> is anyone else here a Robert De Niro guy? I mean, you should be a Jesus guy first and foremost, but Robert De Niro is pretty tight, okay? So... So anyways, I start, you know, kind of doing this thing, and I'm like, I can't take this anymore. I just can't take it. I can't deal with this. And it ends by me collapsing on my bed after I punched the divider of my closet, and I'm not going to lie to you, some chalk from the ceiling fell. It was pretty intense. 
and my wife comes up to me and she says, honey, can you just sit down? Can you sit down? If anybody thinks that your wife isn't the best gift God has given you, you're wrong, okay? It's the best gift that you could ever receive besides salvation, okay? So as she's sitting there, she says, just because things aren't the way that you want them to be today does not mean that you can't trust God's provision because he brought you where you are and he's going to be faithful and see you through that. And for me, I'm just like, wait, what? I'm like, my whole life I've watched my dad struggle in his marriage and all that stuff. But I don't have to be that. And I don't have to choose that for my life. And that's crazy. And so what we're going to talk about today is kind of this similar thing that God provided. And the people of God didn't always remember that. And they didn't always choose that. And they, and they, they needed to be reminded. And then there was a choice that needed to be made. And um, so today, I want to kind of use that story as kind of this launch pad of where God wants to take us after this morning. So in the story, which I'm sure all of you guys are reading the scripture app, and it's been amazing, we find ourselves, you know, at this point where Moses has passed on and Joshua has been risen up as a leader for God's people. And if you remember, Joshua and Caleb were the only two that got to enter the promised land because they were the spies that went and checked out the land and saw that there was giants there. And even though everyone else was like, well, no, I don't think we can do that. They were like, well, through God, through our confidence in God, through believing and trusting God, we can go in there and take the land. They were allowed to see the promised land. This is the same Joshua that we see the story of the wall of Jericho and how through God and his provision also collapsed the wall of Jericho and they conquered that city. This is also the same Joshua that if you look in Joshua chapter 12, um, you just see a list of kings and people that were conquered during the time that he was Israel's leader. And so... By all means, when we look at that, we say, there hasn't been a leader in Israel's history at this point in biblical history that has paralleled Joshua. That Joshua being confident and believing God was providing and God was who he said he was, he was able to do great things. And so we're excited, right? I mean, we're excited because we're like, we want to be those people and we want to be excited and we want to trust and we want to obey and we want to, we want to be fired up for God that when we go to approach something, we're approaching it with him in mind and knowing that he has all the details lined up before us. So then as you look even farther, you see Joshua is coming towards an end. And so he's giving a farewell to the people. And when he does that, he's trying to pretty much go out on top by telling them what it was that was important in his walk and what he did. And after the farewell, 
um, he draws together the elders, the leaders, the officials, and they all together present themselves before God. And Joshua, speaking for God, starts to lay out this history of everything that took place up to this point in time so that the people of Israel could see, so that these leaders could see how God had continuously provided for them even when they weren't doing what he had hoped they would do, what they had said they would do. So Joshua starts out when he's talking about the past, and he starts talking about from where God had brought them. He had brought them from beyond the Euphrates and out of a land of foreign gods that he even says as close back as Abraham. We all know who Abraham is, right? I hope. And if you don't, we can talk about that later. Um, Abraham and Nahor's father, Terah, was among that group of people that, that were actually a part of polytheism or the belief that there's multiple deities in which today's world we would just say they served many gods. And not only did he do that, but he made a promise to Abraham that he said, I'm going to make your descendants many. I'm going to give you great land and I'm going to put my favor on you and I'm going to make your descendants many. And so from Abraham comes Isaac, and then Isaac brings forth Jacob and Esau, and there's a lot of stuff that happened along the way, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> and so Jacob and Esau are taken into captivity, right? The people of Israel after this point have been taken into captivity, and they've been brought into Egypt, and God, while they're in Egypt, even though they've done a lot of things through history that's put them in this position, you know, the 40 years, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle, all that stuff, God provides them a way out of slavery. And he's telling them that. He's saying, hey, I brought you out of this land of foreign gods. I made a promise. And even when it was murky, even when it seemed difficult, even when it seemed different, I still fulfilled my promise. Even when it was hard, even when you were enslaved, I was still the same God and I still fulfilled the promise that I had laid out before you. And then he goes a step further while he's telling this story and he says, not only were we taken out of slavery, but when the people that enslaved us started to follow after us, God wiped them out. Because they followed me through the Red Sea, my people, and when you guys crossed to the other side, I closed it. I did that. So I provided for you. And then even more so, God then reminds them, I have brought you to a city that you didn't build. And you are enjoying land that you haven't labored. And you are eating fruit that you never planted. And that's God. He provided everything. They didn't do that. He did. And that's amazing. Because I think a lot of times, you know, even for us people, we can think that we did something special. But the only thing that's special is that God chose us and allowed us to be who we are. 
So now I want you to listen closely because this is where I want us to focus, and that is Joshua 24, 14 through 15. It says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are serving. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So these are pretty incredible words because I believe what Joshua is telling you is God wants you all in. He wants you all in. He doesn't want a fragmented or undecided follower that flips back and forth. He wants someone that's all in. And there's three important things that I want to point out from this text. And I believe that it's going to answer the question. And um, so the first thing is, if you notice in that second part of the first verse, throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. For some of you, this sounds kind of silly. Because I, I also, when I looked this up, hadn't realized how, mu how much this might actually affect us. Because to have a little fun, I decided to look up who were the gods of the people beyond the Euphrates. And the more I looked up those things and the more I found out about them, I was actually terrified and scared because I did an image search with it and I cannot unsee the things that I have seen. So, so I want you to know, this is some really scary stuff. And the three, so this is Terah, who's Abraham and Nahor's father, you know, the guy who has a polytheistic religion, served many gods. And these are the three gods that were the main gods of the people at the time. And I'm sorry about pronunciation if it's wrong. I'm going to talk to Dave afterwards. I'm going to try to figure this out. So it's, I want to say, Chamash of the Moabites. Um, he would be considered Chamash the destroyer or subduer, also known as the fish god. So part of his body was this big fish head and these muscular arms and this crazy trident, which I'm sure if you were seeing an image of that, that would be pretty scary. And if that doesn't scare you, then there was... Milcom of the Ammonites, and this was a big bull-looking thing with horns, which in other spots of the Bible they call him Molech. And Molech was a god who desired infant sacrifices, sacrifices that were done by burning. Isn't that kind of appalling? I mean, doesn't, I mean, I don't, it's just scary. That is so scary. And then, Baal of the Phoenicians, who was known as the fertility god and also was considered the god of the rain and dew, considered largely to be one of the biggest pieces of the history of all the gods. And then the gods of the Amorites, which were in the same land as the Israelites at this time, which was Amaru and Martu, and this would be the son of the sky god, Anu. He is considered to be the god of the storm, and also Lord of the Mountains. It is suggested that he is the rival and greatest opposition against the Lord Yahweh, our God. So considering that I think that none of us would say we are any of those things. 
and that we worship any of those things. I thought about it from another standpoint of because really what they were to the Israelite people was a distraction. It was something that came into their lives that obscured the people's vision of God. And while we don't serve gods like that, I hope, there are things that we have received from our ancestors that have been passed down that without much argument or without much thought we've believed and allowed to take root and take place in our lives. And so when Joshua is telling us to throw those things out, I really want you to think of this image of when you have trash. When you have trash or something that you no longer want, you walk to the trash can and you throw it in the garbage. You then take it out by the road and the, and the garbage man comes by, picks it up and takes it to a landfill. And so when Joshua says, throw out, I think we're thinking permanent things. I don't think that when we throw something out, at least if you're me, you don't run back to the trash can to see if it's still there. So just like that, when these things that your ancestors, the things that you've accepted, which I'll give you some examples in a second, have come into your life, you're to throw them away and not look back to be transformed and changed and not look back, to remember the provision that God has offered you, and don't go back. So I wanted to bring this a little closer to home. Susanna and I are both from broken homes. Okay? Um, my parents divorced when I was 12, and Susanna's parents divorced when she was 10 years old. And so because of that, divorce and adultery are both parts of our family history. And those are things that have been passed down that we as people have to fight even harder not to allow to disrupt our family life. Because we have two beautiful daughters that we want to know without a shadow of a doubt that God's love, God's thoughts, God's desires are so much more important than the desires of our flesh. And so we need to throw out that part of our lineage and we need to not look back and we need to move forward believing that if we follow God and we set ourselves up to follow God, that he's going to bless that and he's going to provide for the future and our lineage might look a lot prettier So what are the gods and sins of our ancestors? For some, it could be abandonment, addiction, bitterness, debauchery, dishonesty, divorce, hate, racism, sexual sin. There are many, and that's only a small list of things that could be obscuring your view of God. And I want you to take an inventory when you're alone and think about the things that you personally have had that might be stopping you from seeing God clearly. Ask the question to yourself, what have you allowed to marry into your relationship with God as an add-on that makes you believe you need something else besides what God's provided for you? So, 
Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Do not let them take root in your life at all costs. Get rid of them. And so the second thing this morning is that I believe Joshua is also telling us that we must choose. In 15, if you look at it, it says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. You have to choose. Like, he says it right there. Like, you have to choose. And Joshua is someone that has saw God's goodness, God's provision. He saw it. He witnessed it with his own eyes. He saw when they were brought out of slavery. He went into the promised land. He saw that. And he said, after everything you have seen, after everything you have experienced, after everything that you have, you've been a part of, choose and choose God because he provided like you can go back and you can serve all this other stuff you can serve the gods of your ancestors which I don't want to do that or you can trust you can obey you can choose And this story is the same story that repeats itself all throughout the Bible. God's provision for an unfaithful people. The same provision that God provides in the beginning of Joshua 24, where he talks about all those things and how God provided those things. Like, you know, when you were slaves, I I freed you, all that stuff. That's the same provision that Jesus did at the cross, That the work of the cross, what Jesus did, was so that you could come into a family that you couldn't buy yourself into. Right? It was, he was making a relationship where you couldn't forge one. There was no, it's just crazy. It was a feat we couldn't accomplish. He did all the work. It's the same thing. And it points back to God. That while we were helpless, while we could do nothing, while we were pretty much left to our own devices, he provided a way. And that by trusting and believing in that way, we would be considered faithful to him. Do you hear that? It's like my wife said when I was laying on the end of my bed and I was wallowing in the sin of laziness and passivity in regards to being a husband or a father. That if I were just to stop and realize that while I cannot change the past, trusting Jesus for the future and allowing God to define me, I can choose God and what he has for me and my future will be filled with what he desires and that will be counted to me as faithfulness. So throw away the gods and the sins of your ancestors. Make a choice to choose God. And that's going to bring us to the third point that I have for you this morning and that is to commit to the plan. A plan can only work if we put it in place to work. The last sentence of this verse is, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What would it look like for someone to commit to the choice of following God and abandoning the gods and sins of their ancestors? For Susanna and I, just to take it back home again, 
We don't say the D word when we fight. It's never been a part of our conversation because we believe that once you start saying it, then it enters your thoughts and then, you, and then the rabbit trail just keeps going. And then you start saying things you don't mean. You know, we don't swear at each other when we're angry. We don't say words to each other that we can't take back. And then if apology needs to happen, it happens. Because someone has to apologize. Because it's just not an option. The other option is not an option. It means that we don't spend time with the opposite sex alone. It means that we don't give our numbers out to people of the opposite sex. It means we won't give attention to someone else who doesn't deserve that. And we only give that attention to each other. For someone else, it might look like you're a little choosier in the stuff you choose to watch on TV. There's a lot of stuff out there that's trying to modernize our world or make things acceptable. I'm not so pumped on Game of Thrones, but that's only one title that I would give you. And there's others that I could probably name that, in fact, I don't even know the names I hate. <laughs> Instead, maybe you're going to decide to go out with a group of friends. Maybe you're going to hang out with the people that you met at home church and you guys are going to commit to follow Jesus together and you guys are going to pray against the things that you're allowing to marry into your relationship with Jesus because you know that you need to make that choice and that you want to cling to it like no one's ever clinged to it before. Maybe instead of believing that you're special and that it's because you're someone that you realize that you're on the same plateau as everyone else and you're going to hang out with people that you would not normally hang out with and that you're going to realize that your need for Jesus is the same need they have and the way that God provided for you, he wants to provide for them and that's beautiful. And so no matter what and no matter what your friends say about that or the people that you hang out with say about your choices, stay committed Stay committed. Because when you stay committed and you're excited and passionate about what you believe, the other people that believe the same thing, they start to step out and they feel the same way too. Right? Stay committed. Joshua was saying some really strong stuff to a very unsteady person and people group. Because when somebody says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, it doesn't always feel that way, and it doesn't always come out that way. And while I attempt to stay committed, and I fight as hard as I can, sometimes things start to slip in again. I mean, like, how different would Joshua 24 look if it said, and I provided for you, my people, and because I provided, they trusted and when they trusted, they committed in a way that has never been committed before. And so my favor and glory reigned through the land. And everything people needed was taken care of. And no one went without. But it doesn't say that. Because life's tough. So when you break the commitment and you start to believe that it's your fault, and you couldn't hold it together, and that God's love might run out on you, I want you to examine the words of the Psalms. Psalm 81, 14 through 16, or 13 through 15, I'm sorry. 
If my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last forever. And then Psalm 103, 10 through 13. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So remember, remember what he brought you from. Remember how he's provided for you. And when that commitment fails, go back to him, not the past. Go back to him and say, God, I've messed up. And I need you to heal me. Because I want to be faithful and I have no idea how. That's all it takes. Like there's no, there's no, you have to believe, you have to go back, you have to do this, and on top of it, run a marathon. It doesn't say any of that. Right? I mean, if he said that, half of us would probably die running the marathon. But he doesn't say that. He says, <laughs> right? Isn't that great? So remind yourself. Today, we've come here for all different reasons. You know, some of us have been running the race for a long time, and we've been really excited about the journey that we're on. And we've made a commitment, and we've kept it. And we're running at a great speed. And for those people, keep running. And for some of us, maybe it's been a long time since we've made the commitment, so that, that choice that we made is less flavorful. <laughs> and it just doesn't feel the way that it used to. And maybe there's some of us here today that have never ever made the choice to follow Jesus. And if that's the case, if you fall in those latter two categories, I really urge you to talk to the prayer team this morning because I don't want another day to go by without you realizing who you're choosing or what you're choosing. And I want you to choose Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that we have this opportunity to serve you together. And God, we want to choose you so desperately in our hearts and in our minds, and we want to stand firm. And I ask that we would take the words of Joshua to heart and that you would make us your faithful people. In your name, amen.